still the the foundation was what the corporation that we signed up for as a franchisee was providing. Very similar to Robex. We provide all the tools to our franchisees. I would love to think that it's best-in-class support and guidance, certainly world-class marketing collateral and materials in order to help them market the brand to those new guests and to continue to market the brand and retain those guests. And it's like, why wouldn't you? You're paying for this. You sign up for the franchise. Welcome to episode 63 of Clicks to Bricks, the podcast about multi-location marketing. I'm your host, Rob Reed. My guest today is Mitch Baker, and he's the vice president of marketing for Robex. Mitch is currently in his second stint with the Southern California Smoothie brand, which is just shy of 100 locations. We go deep into local store marketing and how Robex empowers its franchisees to have a greater impact on how their stores are marketing to local trade areas through digital channels. Mitch Baker, welcome to Clicks to Bricks. Thank you very much. So happy to be here today. First of all, Mitch, where are you calling in from? I am in sunny Southern California. To be exact, I am probably about three miles from the beach and Los Angeles International Airport in a little area called Westchester. Oh, yeah. Which ironically, the home of our first Robex in 1996. Oh, wow. I didn't know. Westchester, that was quite a quite a place to put it, a Robex in 1996. It wasn't, it certainly wasn't as built up as it is now. No, not at all. And I think what they, what they identified is a location that was right near a very high volume, high traffic area. Again, next to the the airport, right? Yeah. And it continues to be one of our top performing locations to this day. Oh, wow. Yeah, because everybody knows it's there, right? It's just been there that long. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) They hit it on the way to the airport, I'm sure. People were like, who have formed that habit? Because, I mean, I lived on the West Side for, you know, better part of 20 years and always had habits of going back and forth to the airport. Well, you know, one of them was getting in and out on the way back from the airport, right? <laughs> that crazy in and out location there right outside LAX. We are within stone's throw of that particular in and out location. Ah, uh, I think I I think I know now. I think I I've seen it. It's like right there on Lincoln then, huh? Or whatever that is. Actually on Sepulveda. Sepulveda, yeah. But really, yeah, you are right. Actually, Lincoln sort of merges into it right merges next to LAX. Into Sepulveda. And what's happening now, really, over the past couple of years, it's sort of regentrifying. So there's some new retail going in there. Actually, right next door to us was a Boston market for many, many years. And they went out. And uh, Kevin Hart has got a new restaurant concept. And he's actually opening right next to us. So it's exciting to what that's going to bring to that area. And again, to fuel the growth you know, the continued growth of that store. That's amazing. Kevin Hart, man, he's got his hands in everything. I swear to God, he's got his own tequila now. He's like, he knows how to hustle. That's great. Yeah, I agree. Sure does. That'll be a good draw for you, huh? Having Kevin Hart's restaurant next door. Well, yeah, absolutely. And plus, you know, from what I read about regarding their concept, they focus on, I, I want to say, you know, it's plant-based and it's it's very similar to having that healthy halo that that we have, you know, with our products. Sure. Well, before we get into Robex and and the story there, as usual, what's a fun fact about Mitch Baker that most might not know? So, yeah, I saw that, you know, I saw sort of in the questions, I'm like, God, what is it that really nobody knows? And, you know, nothing too crazy and exciting, but, you know, I don't think anybody really knows that I am a huge fan of pretzels. 
And I have really, as I've been, you know, fortunate enough to travel around the world, I've always like looked for like the perfect hot pretzel, bag pretzel, you know, sort of any way it's presented. I just like the crunch. I like the flavor, obviously in the ideal product. It's just something that I've, you know, always like identified. I'll go to a new market and say, okay, let me see what they've got in that specialty <laughs> store in a pretzel that's unique. Or, you know, I like going, of course, to Europe and, you know, Germany and mm. some of the European countries. And they, it, it's, I mean, it's, there's really a lot of care that goes into making, you know, the perfect pretzel with the perfect softness and the perfect amount of salt. Amount of salt, the salt to pretzel ratio, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really something that, you know, nobody really knows about me. Some of my friends know that, you know, that are close to me that, you know, this guy's always looking for pretzels. Yeah, it makes me think of the New York street vendors, just kind of like walking around New York and you're hungry and you can get a hot dog or you can get a pretzel. That's pretty much like always within arm's reach wherever you are in the city. You're so right. <laughs> you're so right. In fact, even at those stands, I mean, I've got a whole process. I don't just say, oh, yeah, sure, just give me whatever pretzel. I like it a certain temperature. I like it a certain amount of crispiness, a certain amount of extra salt on it. So even to that level, I mean, I'm, I'm very specific. I love it. It's very, it's very Seinfeldian. You're, you're <laughs> right. Like you could do a whole episode or, or have a part of an episode of Seinfeld about, about pretzel quirks, right? Yeah, you probably could, especially if you sort of mix it up and how you might dip it in soup or no soup. Right. (laughs) No soup for you. No pretzel for you. Exactly. (laughs) Nice. Well, let's talk about Robex. Let's start out with just kind of the the high level. What's What's the footprint look like right now? Is this a corporate franchise or hybrid? Robex, which started in 1996, was founded right here, as I mentioned, in Westchester, was the first store. Founded by Dave Robertson, who's still involved as chairman of the board and on our board today. In fact, I, I saw David at the opening of one of our stores in Denver, Colorado, a couple of months ago, and still just very proud of the brand that he created and built and seeing you know the continued evolution. We have got one corporate location here in Southern California that we use for training primarily and product testing and product development. And we uh, have all other locations that are franchise operated by our franchise partners throughout the country. We've got, I, I think the current count is at 90 stores today. We just opened a new store a little bit northeast of San Diego in an area called Poway mm-hmm. on Thursday of last week. And uh, we've got a number of stores in the pipeline for the remainder of the year Total, I would say, you know, probably we're at the 100 mark with the number of stores that are in development as well as construction, as well as that are currently opened today. So we're really, you know, just doing quite well with the momentum. Average store, you know, footprint wise is around 1,000 to 1,200 or so. Some stores a little bit larger just based on what's available, you know, for that real estate market. Some stores, that might be a little bit older or in place, you know, when obviously real estate packages looked a little bit different, but our operation works fine in sizes ranging from 500 to 600 square foot kiosk to something a little bit larger with like quasi, I hesitate to use the word dining room, but certain area to sit down and Mm -hmm. enjoy a smoothie or bowl or toast. Yeah. I think from my personal experience, there was a location in the Pacific Palisades that may not be there anymore. I haven't been back in a while. Is that is that true? Yeah, that store closed right at the beginning of the pandemic. The landlord wanted to do some things differently with the space. The franchisee uh, just wanted to do some things differently, and uh, you know they had some other new development in the area. 
and uh, the location closed. Oh, yeah. That place is that Palisades has like completely been transformed since I lived there. I mean, there used to be a coffee bean there, too, that's no longer there. Like it was, our, it was actually in the same building that the Robex was in. And we used to go, used to take my kids there all the time, whether it was, you know, for me, for the coffee bean, them for the Robex. Yeah, that's kind of a... Uh, Palisades used to be kind of like a place where they kind of discourage people from outside coming. And it was really just about the people that live there. You're so right. And it's been a it's been a complete 180 with that new Caruso Center. Yeah, Caruso Center. Now they actually want to bring people there and it's created just a traffic nightmare for the times that I do go back there to visit family. But yeah, that was that was my kind of that's been the bulk of my experience with the brand was that location and, and it's it's a fantastic product. Yeah, no, agreed. Thank you for that. Yeah, that store I, I know we are looking at sort of that area again. There are some new opportunities. I'm gonna go back to that particular location that we were neighbored a neighboring a business was Coffee Bean. And the landlord actually wanted to combine both spaces and offer it up as a larger space. So mm. it's you know, sort of a Left us no choice sure. with a franchisee, and I agree with you. The amount of traffic that's gone back to the area, but you know, we see that a lot throughout the country, right? And areas get gentrified, and you know, we've got to sort of shift things around and move things around a little bit. And I think our franchisees realize that as well. They've got to sort of adapt with their area, their demographics in the area might change, or you know, some of the construction around their existing store might change. That sort of afford them the opportunity to make some some modifications and enhancements at the same time. So let's jump right into local store marketing then, since you are pretty much 100% franchisee other than your, your training store. So you've got these additional entrepreneurs who are you know equally incentivized to try to drive their own business and try to kind of take control of their own destiny of their stores or, or store probably. There's probably some single unit owners, right? Yeah, a couple of single unit owners and and a handful of multi-unit operators as well. Talk to me about local like you just opened a store. Like what what was the what is your playbook right look like to marketing playbook for opening a new store? Well, I'll tell you regarding local store marketing, I'll just sort of backtrack just a tiny bit. So this is actually my second time at Robex. I was the director of marketing of Robex in the mid to late two thousands. And I left, went off to some other things, worked on some of the projects. The president of our company started talking with me in late 2018, and, and here I am, you know, obviously over three years later. So one of the big focuses for us, even back then, was local store marketing. In fact, one of the tasks that I had when I came on board in around that, you know, 2000s period was to develop and fine-tune an LSM playbook. Right, an LSM workbook that our franchisees could get trained on and utilize. So fast forward to today, or I should say, really, when I came on board in the very beginning of 2019, we really didn't have a comprehensive program that was, you know, follow through from back in the day that we had, you know, initiated and put together. Well, it would have been completely outdated because <laughs> digital had, you know, come on so strong in the in the interim, right? Absolutely. There was minimal, minimal, minimal resources that were used regarding digital. So what we did is we sort of put together a very extensive training program from a local marketing perspective and a digital perspective. And we have call it a 10-hour training program with our new franchisees that we take them through the different modules of planning their local store marketing, of course, understanding the trade area, performing a SWOT analysis, taking a lot of the real estate data that we get from some of our partners and sort of putting that all together and helping them create their plan 
and their budget. And we teach them what they could do, how they could execute, and the importance of targeting sort of the radius around their store. And then we also have a training module that we do for digital. Now, on the digital front, we control the brand experience from an Instagram and a Facebook perspective, but there are opportunities for them to uh, participate locally and target local groups of, of, of customers to come into the stores. And the relevancy to that, uh, you know, to use an example of this new store that just opened. So one of the things that we did earlier this week is we were on the ground in Poway with a franchisee where we took elements of their marketing plan and we sort of condensed it to a two-day concentrated focus. So again, very guerrilla style, right? We're on the tactical side of it. We went to neighboring businesses, did smoothie drops, did coupon distributions. We had our big 20-foot inflatable cup on the street. We had our 11-foot feather flags lining the uh, entry to the center. We had directional lawn signs. The crew, of course, was fully prepared. We had now open banners in the front of the store. You know, we went to all the key partners that are the perfect connectors to our brand, right? We visited the Orange Theory Fitness Partner. We visited the LA Fitness, the 24-Hour Fitness, as well as neighboring businesses that have got, you know, just clusters of people. And on the digital front, we supported it with a Facebook check-in, a Yelp check-in, again, appealing to new guests. We put in place some third-party delivery offers targeting new guests. Of course, you know, being a new location, they're going to all be new guests regardless. Although we do have a good number of units in that market, so there is some brand familiarity and there might be some folks that live in that area that you know might work in a different area where there's aerobics near them or, or vice versa. Some really good, strong tactical activities to really help catapult you know, the initial yeah. part of, the, of, of that franchisee's business. And these are things that we train not only the franchisee to do, but you know, I love getting, you know, rolling my sleeves up and sort of getting on the ground with the franchisees. The great thing about our product, right, and I guess you could say our category in general, who doesn't like to get a smoothie or a juice or a bowl or an avocado toast? I mean, it's like I'm giving you something that is delicious. It's probably going to nourish you just a little bit. Why not? As opposed to, and there's nothing wrong with any of these businesses, but like, you know, if I'm Jiffy Lube and I'm giving you an oil change, well, you might not need an oil change just then. And, you know, just, it's not as, not as sexy, right? Yeah. Not as fun. Right. So do you get feedback back from the, what your franchisees are doing through digital marketing channels? And do you see certain ones kind of outperforming others because they're leaning in or they're trying new things? Do you get any kind of feedback loop from, from those efforts? So do you mean feedback from, from the franchisee or feedback from the guests? Like performance feedback, whether it's like sales or engagement, or do you see, you know, kind of this franchisee is doing all these great things through Facebook and they set up, I don't know if you let them set up their own Instagram or responding to reviews or, or doing other things that can like drive the business that might come back to you in terms of uh, performance KPIs or actual sales? We have a whole list of KPIs that we track on a regular basis. And it's ranging, it really ranges from engagement in social media, engagement in, uh, of course, you know, Google My Business, our website ranking specific, you know, to an area, you know, or overall as a brand, aided, unaided. We, we do track all those metrics and, and they sort of, you know, get, 
put into this big bag that really we could help the franchisee not only target their messaging, but really focus on truly what's working the best. Like does, does star rating and like review volume matter to to you and to the to the franchisees? Is that something that they are aware of or that do they think that that moves the needle on the business? I think most franchisees are really getting to the point that they truly understand the power of that. I mean, Google My Business is and, and Google reviews in general are, are becoming such an important important part of the you know of an operation of of a retail facility. You know, call it a restaurant. Obviously, in our case, Yelp obviously as well has got you know a, a big prominent part in that. And I think franchisees- yeah, For better re- or worse. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. That's got its own set of nuances. But I think franchise realize the importance of it and what Google's doing, you know, with their incorporating, you know, online ordering through their platform, through their, their partner, and certainly Yelp, you know, partnering through Grubhub. I mean, it's, it's, it's just another way to reach a customer, number one. And, and I think it's another way just to get feedback and sort of take the temperature and say, hey, listen, you know, you're doing a great job at your store. Your team members are great. I love the product, of course. But I think, again, us being able to provide that information to franchisees and and them understanding the importance of it and, and how truly, you know, our world's changed in that, you know, we've got this device in our in our pocket that gives us access to the world and we could talk to so many different people about our experience. So it's it's, you know, more than ever, it's so important to make sure you've got, you know, brand consistency and continuity and incredible customer service and uh, without a doubt, a fantastic product. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, when you do those things right, like your, your local SEO, your reputation management, your social media management, they all kind of, like you mentioned, funnel down to an online order, right? Which can come through your Google profile and like onto your website. So talk to me a little bit about your online ordering. Is that something that was that was already there before you got there or did, did that get implemented during your time? Now, well, we had online ordering in place. Uh, we're partnered with uh, the folks at Olo. They're, they're, they're great partners. Of course, yeah. I think you know, we've seen a continued increase without a doubt. I mean, our digital average check versus our in-store average check is is greater, right? It's considerably uh, more. So, you know, we, we, know that's, we know that's a point of, of engagement uh, and, and the opportunity, right, to talk to guests in a much, you know, broader way and, and certainly, you know, very targeted in some cases as well. But the online ordering piece is is, is very important. And the other thing it does is, you know, it, it also, I'm, I'm sure, you know, some of your previous guests have talked about the challenge with labor, right? So, you know, you've got somebody at the front counter that's engaging with the customer and taking an order as opposed to something that comes through an online digital platform. It just shows up and you make the product and then they pick it up and it's ready. Yeah. I mean, I always go back to like my first Starbucks online ordering experience as as being like one of the best mobile experiences I've ever had. You know, it was like basically like the first time I ordered an Uber and the first time I ordered a, a Starbucks to pick up and skip the line and go right there and pick it up. It was just it was just mind blowing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the future. And Ola was already, you know, on its way. But now that's just become kind of standard <laughs> for the, you know, food service business. But the other good thing about it from the business side is that you get that customer data, right? Are you like when it's an online order, you definitely know who it is because they're and they're they're giving you permission to communicate with them. Is that where you're 
also kind of taking advantage of that aspect of it? Well, we know who the guest is pertaining to, of course, their order, but we might not know who they are. We might not have the permissions to communicate with them on a regular basis to invite them in. Again, you know, if if they lapse, we've got a a rewards program that we relaunched just about a year ago. We partnered with Punch on that. So again, that's been a key focus for us is, is really pushing every single guest to that platform. Download the app, sign up, Obviously, there's a whole you know variety of rewards and, and and different benefits and bonuses that you get from being a rewards member. But you know, selfishly, we are able to retain customer data just for the purposes of saying, "Hey, listen, we haven't seen you in a couple of days, or we know that you typically buy this. Well, why don't you try that? Or we know that you typically don't come in on a particular day part. Well, why don't you visit us on this day part, and we can give you something to entice you." So you know, we really value, you know, all of that data. And we continue to mine that data as as uh, respectfully, of course, as we can to our guests. But it's more than anything just to provide more Robex more often to the guest. Yeah, I do remember back in that Palisades location, this would have been like the early 2010s. You didn't have punched it up back then, but you did have the, the actual physical punch cards. And we used to have like a ton of those because I would never bring them. So I'd have to bring, you know, like five that had like enough punches to add up to one. <laughs> I remember that. It's so great to have it on your phone now though, right? Yeah, it certainly is. You know, what's funny about that is I was, we were cleaning out our, uh, our storage unit the other day and I found these heavy duty hole punchers, sort of the same ones that the that the train conductors use, right? Yeah. Those really heavy-duty ones. And I remember when I was at Robex, initially, we had them customized with like a, 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 like a special font R. Yeah. And that was primarily done to, you know, at least to help alleviate abuse. Right. But, you know, that was one of the big complaints about franchises. Like, listen, you know, somebody could take a bunch of them and or even, you know, not to say anyone's dishonest, but – even a team member, hey, sure, hey, I'll give you some extra punches. Click, 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 and before you know it, yeah. you've come in once, and you're you know only one more visit away from getting ten or or making ten purchases. Yeah, I think I might have gotten that a couple times just because I was like a regular customer, and they just wanted to be nice. They're like, yeah, here you go. There's a couple extra, not like a full card all at once, but right. That is a nice thing that a team member should be able to do, but they they can't do it through punch because it's all automated now. Well, no, no, of course. And and truly, you know, the beauty of obviously it being digital and is that we can, again, you know, understand who that guest is and communicate with yeah. them on a regular basis. Is there anything new kind of marketing technology wise coming down the pike for you? Is there anything that you're keeping an eye on in terms of new tech, either restaurant tech or, or marketing tech? On the technical side, we're, we're going to move forward with an update to our app, some new features, some new bells and whistles, some enhancements, some things that we've received guest feedback over the past year that we can improve upon and modify. We're looking at some self-service ordering kiosk programs as well. You're seeing a lot of that you know, throughout sort of QSR space. And that's something also that I think can help with some of the labor challenges, right? As well as you know, maybe some opportunities for increased sales via upselling and suggestive selling. Yeah, you've mentioned you've mentioned the labor problem a couple of times now. So I think I should kind of double click on that. Are you feeling that getting a sense that that's abating at all? And 
has the the organization leaned on marketing more than it might have otherwise to try to address that? Yeah, so I think that it is getting a little bit easier. That's just some anecdotal information that I get and feedback that you know we sort of hear from from the system. When it really got very challenging and difficult, we came up with a number of different you know methods to communicate that you know stores are hiring, similar to what I'm sure everybody's seen all around the country. Whether it be a banner or a window cling, we added over that time period, we also added a dedicated careers page to our website, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, the franchisee franchisor relationship in regards to hiring, you know, there's sort of that fine line there, but making it very clear that again, there's an opportunity at a local store to get hired and the technology, you know, provides a direct opportunity to have a prospective candidate apply online and it goes right to that franchisee. So pretty seamless instead of them, you know, dropping off a, a resume or filling out an application at a store. Yeah, I've seen a few restaurants also integrate those job postings to their local pages too, so that they would rank in in local SEO and then they would be specific to the location and to the franchisee rather than having them just all in a generic kind of corporate what what seems like a corporate level careers page, actually just having them listed on the local pages of the website. Yeah, no, I know some of the franchisees specifically have taken advantage of that. And again, where they do include it on their local Facebook pages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And their local Facebook pages too. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Nice. No drone delivery in the near future? <laughs> I mean, personally, I, I love to be an early adopter of technology. I, I think it would be phenomenal. You know, the one challenge about our product is that it's got to stay cool. It's got to stay cold. Yeah. So I'm not sure the technology is there for you know, flying a cooler in the air and delivering it. In regards to drone delivery, I would love to be a candidate to you know, be involved in some testing of that. You know, I, I have seen, especially around Southern California, Venice, Santa Monica, they've got the, uh, the little carts, the little, the little um, I guess you'd you know, call them a, uh, a drone robots, on wheels. Robots, right? Yeah, the little robots. Yeah, drone on go. wheels, yeah. Right, and you see them you know, go around town, and I know those containers are sort of like mini coolers and there's some you know definite applications you know for our product because you know you can have it in a environment that maintains temperature just a bit instead of just you know popping in a bag and delivering it yeah that would be that would be a fun experience i'd have to say from the consumer side to have a little little cart deliver your smoothie around the corner yeah and i think it really depends on you know of course where your pickup point is or where your delivery point is in relation to a store location. I mean, in more of a more of a an urban environment, you know, that could work you know very well. Yeah. We've got a store as an example in Washington D.C. on L Street, and there's just you know so much opportunities you know, for like offices or or something like that. Obviously, you've got to go down to meet the you know meet the unit. Yeah, but there's just a cool opportunity, and I I think it's very city specific as to where you see that. I think uh, that many cities have got very specific guidelines and restrictions in some cases as to the ordinances that will allow for that, that type of device. Yeah. You got to get all the, you got to get all those bird scooters out of the way. Right. So that exactly. The robots can go, exactly. can go down the sidewalk. <laughs> Competing priorities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And probably very similar <laughs> as, 
as sort of the the world of drone delivery, you know, takes flight. Excuse the pun. Yeah. You know, as far as the you know the local uh, ordinances and what's allowed and not allowed, and all the safety precautions. So I would love to see it come to fruition, and like I said, would love to be a, a guinea pig to see how it would work. Because you know the other advantage about our product, by the way, is that it it is portable in size, right? So it's not you know it's not it's not too heavy, mm. it's not too big, so it could work in an application. Again, the consideration is what would that delivery box look like, and how heavy would it be, you know, to be able to preserve some of the temperature per se. So talk to me a little bit about you had these two phases of working at Robex now and leading marketing for the company. Talk a little bit about how different it is this time around than it was the first time around. How different is like the job? The job is different in that I was director of marketing back then. In fact, when I joined Robex about, I'd say, 60 days after leaving, give or take, the vice president of marketing had departed and everything was on my lap. Our former CEO at the time and said, "Hey, listen, I'll handle this. You handle that." And you know, he's running the company, so ultimately, I handled everything on the marketing. You know, in the marketing, yeah. uh, in the marketing role, our company has evolved in really having you know a great partnership with our franchisees. You know, our system looked different back then as well as where we had a regional director model. So the regional directors had a different level of input and uh, influence regarding many of the marketing activities that went on whereas now it's it's a little more listen it's our you know it, it's it's a consistent brand look and feel that we're maintaining certainly the look and feel of the way we're presenting the brand is in, in many cases better than you know it's it's ever looked really focusing on franchise training that marketing playbook that i mentioned is a key part in fact we listed as a requirement for a franchisee that they've got to present a locals or marketing plan. They have to have a grand opening plan. Mm. They have to do a grand opening within a certain amount of days of opening their unit. So on the digital side, they've got to participate in specific digital activity and be be visible on different digital platforms and third-party delivery platforms. Again, that was very different back then. That's massive because the traditional franchise model is to train your franchisees to be operators. Right. This is how you run the store. This is, you know, these are, this is how you make the product and so forth. The marketing piece was lacking for so long. Right. And now I, I just love that you're training them to be marketers at a minimum. Right. Obviously, like, Absolutely. you know, they're, they're not getting an MBA in, in, in marketing, but like they need to be, I've been saying this for a long time. You know, if you're a franchisee, you need to have marketing skills. And the fact that you're providing that is is just tremendous. Well, yeah, you're right. Because, and, and to take that further, and, and again, I saw it the other day when I was on the ground with the franchisee at his uh, sort of new market, new store opening in Poway. Did it in Denver with the franchisee. So it's different when I go in or uh, one of my team members, a uh, gentleman uh, that is our local store marketing and brand manager. It's very different when you go in and let's say you meet, you know, the manager, general manager of an Orange Theory Fitness. It's very different when we go in as opposed to, oh, here's the franchisee. I'm in your community. I've invested in the community to build my store and to build my business. I'd love to partner with you. You're going to see me multiple times a week, right? I'm the face. Whereas Myself or or our marketing manager, they're there in the market for a couple of days. We work with the franchisee, and then we're gone, and we go to the next 
store opening to assist them, or we're working on brand marketing as a whole, right, for the entire system. So the connection comes by that individual franchisee connecting to that local partner, right? Because that's where, truly, that's where the magic happens. And they're able to be consistent because they can do something, you know, on a regular basis that engages that partner's clientele in order to make them, you know, our clientele potentially. Yeah, I, I would venture to guess that the the franchisees who are the best marketers are also the highest performing franchisees. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is, it makes the difference between being a kind of like your average store and being an exceptional store in terms of sales. Do you see that at all? I wouldn't say it's across the board. I mean, there are so many variables, you know, as you know, Rob, I mean, with location and sure. location, location, location. I mean, it's, 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 you know, that, that, that hasn't changed in years and that years. That hasn't changed, no. So, you know, some locations will automatically do well because they're just in the right place. Mm. But, you know, yep. what we've seen is the franchisees that do engage with our, our programs and they take our advice and they sort of follow the system that they are successful and they're in many cases more successful than maybe somebody that might not have gone out and performed some of the activities or connected to their community. And and I always go back again, it's like, wait a minute, you're investing in a franchise and this can go for anybody. You invest in a franchise system, you're paying a royalty. Why not, you know, take advantage of the tools that we're giving you that you're paying for essentially. Yeah, yeah. We're not giving it to you. <laughs> right, exactly. We're yeah, here. you're paying for it. Yeah, yeah, we're we are here to help you be successful, and and that really goes you know along the lines of being you know consistent in their stores. Right, A customer sees Robex juice on the outside of their store, whether it's owned by Jill or whether it's owned by Bob, it doesn't matter. The product should be the same. The experience should be the same. And I'll give you a good example where I that really became evident. So I was the Blockbuster Entertainment. I was the director of marketing for Blockbuster Video nice. in this in the state of Arizona. So I had been with Blockbuster Corporate in Southern California, and an opportunity came available to move to Phoenix. I worked for the franchisee who had the majority of stores. So we controlled the ad fund. We controlled the market. And really, the corporate stores, I think we had like 18 stores and corporate had six. So we had the majority of stores, we spent media in the market, yet the franchisee who I worked for was sort of doing their own thing, very cutesy, mom and pop messaging inside and all these like nice handmade signs and and everything. And you go to the corporate store and they're following that guideline and following that very specific direction of, listen, we're Blockbuster, it's very specifically designed all the branding, I should say, is very specifically designed in the messaging. And there's data backing up that it works. Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not a guess. Right. Right. And I said to the franchisee, listen, you've paid you know, a fortune for these locations. You're paying a tremendous royalty. The customer sees one thing on the outside. They see that blue and gold blockbuster ticket. And they should have that same experience across the board. And again, you could say that for any brand that's out there, right? I mean, there's from a Dairy Queen to a coffee bean, whether it's a franchise location or a corporate location. My feeling is there should be a strong level of consistency. So that's when I realized, like, wait a minute, let's just, you know, I mean, we're paying for all this. We're a franchisee of this brand. They're providing world-class support. They're providing, you know, world-class marketing materials. 
what are we doing? Now, incidentally, we took it to the next level. Still, the, the foundation was what the corporation that we signed up for as a franchisee was providing. Very similar to Robex. We provide all the tools for our franchisees. I would love to think that it's best-in-class support and guidance, certainly world-class marketing collateral and materials in order to help them market the brand to those new guests and to continue to market the brand and retain those guests. And it's like, why wouldn't you? You're paying for this. You sign up for the franchise. You knew what was sort of uh, in front of you as far as the franchise, you know, getting built out, your location getting built out, and of course, marketing is sort of the community. I think it's truly important that you stay consistent in your marketing efforts. And like I mentioned, going back to sort of the beginning of the conversation, we are very consistent and very deliberate in training right from the beginning. So the moment a location is identified and a lease is signed, we engage with the franchisee on these series of, of, of training curriculum. So tell me a little bit about your marketing organization at Robex. What roles do you have underneath you, agencies and so forth? What does that org look like? So I have got a manager of field marketing and local store marketing. I have a senior digital marketing manager. We have a public relations firm that we engage with and work with them very closely on a regular basis. We also have a creative agency that works with us on not only the creative look and feel of our brand, but also we lean on them for what is going on in the marketplace. We have sort of what are the right initiatives that we should be focusing on, as well as, of course, taking you know, all of that and, and combining it with input from our guests, input from the market trends, input from our franchisees. And we've got a couple of interns that work with us as well. But it really, it's a very, it's a very lean and mean organization and, you know, I will say that some of the, I, I often just, you know, I'm so impressed on some of the things that we put out as a company, the look and feel of the brand and the tools and tactics and information and guidance that we're able to give our franchisees. I mean, all of that together is just, we've been able to truly elevate the brand without a doubt, different than where it was, you know, when I was here the first time. But the organization, you know, our organization in general is is very focused, very, it's not very top heavy, but we're, you know, lean and mean. That's, that, that's well, yeah. I should say lean and nice. <laughs> very nice. Probably err on the side of nice than, than, than mean, definitely, without a doubt. <laughs> You're actually the second Blockbuster alum that we've had on the show. Scott Johnson from, from Smashburger was also there and, and it's, it's just... It's just one of those stories that I'd just love to talk about. I, I wish we had more time. I'd love to go deeper into the Blockbuster story because it's such a, it was such a fantastic brand and then such a fantastic just fail, <laughs> right? To not see what was coming. Well, yeah, I got to tell you, I was at Blockbuster Video. I left the company when the franchisee sold his interest. And then I was hired at Blockbuster Music. And Blockbuster had about 500 some odd stores in the music division. And I was a director of marketing for about 90 stores here in California. And a couple of years after that, I went to Hollywood Video in Portland. And we were growing at a just a tremendous pace. We were opening about a store a day on average. Wow. What's incredible to think back is that there's two industries that have basically disappeared. Yeah. That had thousands. and th I mean, Blockbuster was up to like 8,000 stores and change. Hollywood Video was, I think, up to about, I don't know, maybe it was, I mean, I remember I did store number 1,000. I think we were at 
maybe 2,000 stores, you know, when sort of it started to fall apart. I, I remember having the conversations about, you know, the sort of the upcoming world of digital and on demand and satellite. And, you know, so many people would say, well, I don't think anybody's really going to want to give up the opportunity to go into their store on a Friday night, go to the shelf, look at the front of the box, read the synopsis on the back and walk out with it or wait by that return bin for the best new release to come back. You know, all things that so many people have experienced. And now we don't even think twice about watching a TV show or a movie on any number of platforms on any number of devices, whether it be an iPhone or iPad or even, you know, on our on our watch. It's just it's so drastically changed. And I think for the better. Well, sure. I mean, and and just having been through that just has to have, you know, really kind of colored your perspective on on the world and how, how quickly and dramatically it can change. What type of advice are you giving to younger marketers today on on your team or or just in general about you know what what to look for and hopefully becoming VP of marketing at some point themselves? Yeah, well, I, I got to say, I think you have to be open to change as new technologies and new ways to engage with your guests, right? Because you know, as they say, sales cures all, right? So if you could generate more sales. How can you generate more sales? What different points can you generate, you know, a guest interaction and retain that guest, right? Because it's all about acquisition and retention. So if there's new technologies that provide an easier way to get to that point, absolutely. Look at it. I mean, you should be, you as an in general, should be testing programs. We're testing new programs continually to see what makes, you know, the biggest impact, what's the best performing, what's the most cost effective, so I would say, you know, don't sort of turn a blind eye to new technologies and new ways to, you know, to communicate with your customers and to, and really to serve your customers and to bring your orders, again, like we were talking about drone technology, to bring your product to that guest. Be unique, sort of think out of the box. I mean, absolutely, uh, there are so many standard ho-hum ways of doing sort of the same thing. You know, people get stagnant, people get comfortable, but you know, go out of the box, push the envelope, you know, look at new ways to partner. Some of the things that we've done in the past that we partnered with some film properties. Again, they've got to have the right connection, but it's just a different way in talking. I mean, you see it with, you know, the big boys per se, like a McDonald's or a Jack in the Box, or, you know, they'll partner with a, with a big, you know, a new release, but it's got to have the right, the right synergy with your brand. But again, ways that are out of the box that you could sort of elicit you know, a reaction or an engagement from your consumer in a way that, you know, typically you wouldn't do through traditional ways of marketing. That's great. So final question, are there other leaders in multi-location marketing that you would want to see interviewed on this show? So, you know, two people come to mind, I've taken notes here or wrote some notes in preparation. Some of that I worked with, ironically, at Johnny Rockets many years ago. I used to work with a franchisee of Johnny Rockets. And Tim Hackbart was at Johnny Rockets in the junior level. I think it was a junior level. Luann, forget her last name, but Luann was the vice president of marketing. Johnny Rockets is a very different organization back then. It, yeah, I remember it. The original founders were still involved, and it was still very much that 50s-style you know, type of diner. And, and it looks very different now, different ownership, obviously. But Tim Hackbart is now at Del Taco, and I know Tim is really engaged in you know, a variety of different electronic mediums and digital mediums and, you know, trying different things that can engage his customers, certainly new product introductions as well. We were both at the at the marketing executives group in Chicago 
a few months ago. Mm, great conference. Yeah, right. Yeah. Prior to the NRA conference. Somebody that I met at that conference, we've got some, ironically, some, some friends in common, CJ Ramirez. CJ is at Doghouse. And they, I, I want to say they've got about 60 units based here in, in Southern California, actually in Pasadena. And they've got just a plethora of virtual brands. And some of the things that he's talked about that he's doing from you know a tactical perspective and certainly a digital perspective and being able to take all those different brands, you know, essentially you've got all different messages. You're still trying to, you know, target the same customer. So these are two guys that I think really, you know, have not been afraid to dip their toe in the water and, and push the envelope just a little bit and try new things. Definitely. Yeah. I'm familiar with both brands and I'm familiar with Tim's work for sure. And they, I think, got acquired by Jack in the Box too. Del Taco did, didn't they? I think they might have. I'll have to check on that one. Yes, they did. Sorry, you are correct. Two great ones. Del Taco, yeah. Del Taco did get acquired by Jack in the Box. Yeah, that's another brand that's definitely on the upswing, you know, kind of making making a huge comeback. But that's all the time we have. So, Mitch Baker, thanks so much for joining us on Clicks to Bricks. This has been fantastic. Thank you, Rob. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it on LinkedIn and to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter at clickstobricks.fm for exclusive content and previews of upcoming shows. I'm your host, Rob Reed, and this is Clicks to Bricks, a podcast about multi-location marketing. Clicks to Bricks.